0: Short game-wise, yes, I can. Long game-wise, no.
1: No, I have not. He's yeah. talking the wrong game. They played
2: the long game. The long They've got to play the long game. the long, the long game. game. They're experienced and they played the long game. Then no, you're the talking the wrong game. They're experienced and they played the long game. Very nice. Long game is
1: back. All right, Case. Um, I'm using my green pen in honor of your boy Charlie, Charlie Hoffman, this week. Sorry about too that. Too soon. It's too soon. Still, I'm still walking that one off from yesterday. So I I watched the, the first football game that I've watched all year, and then I texted you, or and you said I haven't even flipped over yet. You were just locked in to the Charlie Hoffman playoff. Did you feel like he was going to lose the whole time? Um, I felt like he was going to lose
0: when Nick Taylor hit that shot on 16 to, I don't know, whatever it was close enough that he was, he made that birdie 12 feet, and then he 15 turned feet. into, you know, 99, 2000 Tiger Woods for the <laughs> remainder of the day. Yeah, it was quite a run. Um, I didn't expect it obviously, but my wife was like, did you bet on this guy? I was like a little bit, um, but it doesn't, even, I'm not even like, I don't care about the money. I want it for the pod, which
1: is either really sad or or uh, really, I don't know. Endearing. And was, I didn't pay attention to much. I didn't pay attention to much. What was the, was there internet chatter? Or have you listened to any other podcast? Did you listen to like Shotgun Start or anything? Was there any other Charlie, yet, no. like where where did he come from? What, what just happened narrative that you've seen? No. And to be honest, like, so we were recording on Monday
0: morning after uh, this happened Sunday night last night. I think I went like right to the. It was almost halftime at the Super Bowl. I feel like when it ended, or or close to that, at least yeah. past the first quarter, I had no energy for the Super Bowl, and I had no energy for watching any of the you know post game golf stuff and reaction and. Yeah, I, I should have known, but I mean, my God, Nick Taylor turned into an incredible. I mean, he's a good golfer, but he birdied what five of the last six holes. I, he he had to birdie eighteen, I think, three straight times, and he did. And two of the three times he drove the ball into a bunker, and it just
1: rolled out <laughs> twice. And I'm just sitting there like, "Oh, yep." Mm-hmm. Casey texted me last night. He said, "If we ever play golf together, I should bet on you, and then I'll guarantee myself that I go shoot 58 yeah. that day. <laughs> I can move lines just by betting on." Hey, so, real, so. real quick. So we're gonna make picks, but um, we are recording this intro quickly before our before an interview. Do you want to do you want to intro our guests that we're gonna have on today, real quick? Since yeah, you, um, since you're you're hosting today and you got a little bit of the the pregame nerves pregame jitters why don't you get some words out
0: yeah well, the the podcast numbers have been good so Dave thought how can we self sabotage this so I'm gonna I'm gonna screw this up today um, yeah we get Brendan DeYoung on the on the program today uh, I don't want to call him a journeyman he's a he's a he played on the tour for I don't know six seven years um, he retired a few years ago and now he's kind of doing the media thing too um, so I wanted to have him on have good perspective on just making the tour. We talk a lot about grinders here. He was, I guess you'd, you could put him in that status back in the day. Um, so it'd be fun, fun to, fun to talk to someone who's actually. Did you look up, up
1: his career? Did you look up his career earnings? I haven't yet. No.
0: You want to guess? I don't. And, and uh, whatever is it of, is, he had a great is that out of
1: respect. Is it out of
0: respect for him? Go ahead. Tell you him to talk about money. Uh, I'm still hurting after this Charlie Hoffman thing. I can't even look at a wallet or anything to do with money. 150 point, to one, Dave. I had him. Hundred and fifty to one.
1: Yeah. It's it's you've actually <clears throat> you've had a weird run, a very weird run yeah. of gambling. Just the most random people. We almost had a Doug Gim sighting. Um, but yeah, you've had some weird, we we've had some uh just very random bets, and then like these guys seem to be in the mix and then they like eject in the worst way. Oh, well, Charlie didn't eject, he just didn't win, which is a shame. Um uh Mr. DeYoung Young has uh earned uh eleven million five hundred sixty eight thousand four hundred eighty four dollars in his career so pretty impressive and and we'll, we'll, we'll get 10 into this million. with
0: him yeah we'll, we'll get into this with him but um and we talked a few weeks ago about something similar but how these these tour players from you know 10 15 years ago must feel now just watching signature events and live so we'll get his perspective on that but pretty respectable for for when he played, when tiger was taken you know number
1: one most of the time yeah I mean anybody that's made 11 and a half million bucks in their life doing anything playing golf uh certainly much respect from us um all right so we got we have the genesis this week formerly the la open um northern truff trust that's what that's what uh you know, this is this uh, as I've become more of a golf nerd. You know, everybody talks about Riv. You know, Riv. That's like with the the tour, the players on tour, they talk about it. Like this yeah. is the place. So, and a uh, lot of excitement. Tiger, Tigers in the field this week. Um, I saw you're you're really excited about his new clothing. Um, it's not Malbon. And no, and everything an awesome- in the
0: golf world happens on Monday when we record. So by the time people hear this, it will be have been out for
1: three days. But yeah. uh, Tiger apparently is releasing his new line today all right so let's make our picks do you want to just go first and i'll give you i will i'm happy to give you the tiger pick just you can do the honors well i get first pick because last week i won and just okay. a real reque-
0: recap on that i've retaken the lead with my charlie hoffman pick i'm now um, up on you in our season-long race um uh yeah and real quick i'll also just say we're only like two months into this picking guys outside the 150 usually every week except for this week uh we both picked Kevin Strillman. And he's withdrawn on both of us. So that he's kind of, this is kind of our voodoo doll for Kevin Streelman here when we pick him and he immediately withdraws from the tournament. So Absolutely. anyway, I had a good week with um, with Charlie. You had a good week with Doug Gim, but I've overtaken you. I've got 4 million for the year. Now you've got three and a half. So that's right now. First pick for the Genesis. I don't think we need to do a title sponsor challenge. I think you understand, you know what Genesis is, but
1: if not, yeah. raise your hand. No, it's um, a car. It's a car that I always think is like a Bentley, but it's not. Yep, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly uh,
0: okay so for first pick this week um, I'm gonna go with my boy Rory because I want him on the pod and I think uh, he's played well here before at Riviera
1: okay shout out to you Rory um I'm gonna pick I'm gonna pick Victor I love Victor I I want a reason to watch him this weekend so I'm gonna pick Victor and do I get to go back to back that's how this of works course. we're gonna get the, we're gonna get a hold of this one day <laughs> uh I'm gonna pick the flusher Mr. Ludwig. I like that. Some unfinished bi- business from uh, Pebble Beach a few weeks yeah. ago. All right, two in a row. I'm going no Americans. By the way, go ahead. I love it. Uh, I'm going to go Cam Young, who has played well the last. Trending years. Cam is trending. Cam is a guy that I love. I would love to see Cam get. Be, I would love to see Cam be a top five, top ten player on in, in the world and win re, win PGA Tour events regularly. Yeah, great. I wouldn't say a great like textbook swing, but a interesting swing.
0: Great swing. He's, no, he's, no, he's never got, won. He's never won. He's never won. That's kind of so. He's the next is, guy up. That is crazy. And for my la- my uh, yeah. third and last, I'm uh, I'm going to take um, Patrick Cantlay just to stick oh, it to you. What the
1: heck, man! All right, I'm gonna violate. Oh, well, I'm not gonna violate my non-U.S. Uh, guys. Um, I like uh, I like my Ma- Matt Fitzpatrick. So I got I got the All World team this week. I got Victor. I got Matt Fitz, and I got Mister Ludwig.
0: This is nice. We can we can just relax and watch Tiger. We don't have to have a rooting interest.
1: <laughs> yeah, you won't be relaxed.
0: He'll win this week, and I w- would have been staring at a you know one hundred and fifty to one again. Yeah, so I'll get screwed somehow this week. But uh, thoughts and prayers to Rory, Cam Young, and Patrick Cantlay for the the jinx I just put on.
1: for this Yeah. Week. What? Uh, so real, real quick, give me give me one or two minutes about what do you want to get out of this interview with Mister DeYoung?
0: I really want to. F- Just know what it's like to, he played against Tiger Woods in the President Cup in in 2013, actually beat him um, playing with Ernie Ellis. So uh, anyone who's just squared off in the arena with Tiger, I want to know a lot about that. But also just day-to-day tour life. I'm Mm. fascinated by kind of the mundane aspect of getting from one place to the next. Um, If you're bunking up with friends or hotel life, and especially coming from
1: Zimbabwe where he grew up and learned how to play. So uh, that's for me. How about you? Um, I, I'm, I'm excited to just come on, come, come along for the ride. You have some great notes, some great, some great prep. Um, I'm, I want to talk about just. Just the golf game, like just what just his game, where it's at today, things he sees from from amateurs, just overall golf philosophy. He we we often see this idea of like swing your swing. He doesn't have one of those textbook kind of cookie cutter swings, but he's got a nice little repeatable motion. I'd love to talk to him about that. But um, hey, real quick before we go, I, I spent an hour this morning. Down at uh, Janko's golf garage, and he's become friends with this guy, David Orr. And David Orr is one of the top 50 golf instructors in the world. He was Justin Rose's putting coach and a couple other guys. And they become friends and share a bond of like skiing. And I guess he comes up here and they hang out. He's from the Carolina area. And uh, so I got an hour one on one with him this morning doing a putting lesson. Wow. Uh, and it was amazing. It, he was like he gave me three really small tips about we got on like the 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 putting the putting lab to see all my my putting plane and path and where I'm hitting it and it's even in such a small thing like putting just within 10 minutes he's like nope, nope, nope and tightened me up really nice. I posted a little video on on Instagram earlier but uh just a shout out to Janko for becoming friends with him and bringing him in and just it was cool to get that level of uh Of knowledge about putting now all day I'm going to be under the table just kind of working on my one little thing like just little ways you hold your wrist matter so much in the putting stroke and just made me think about how sideways you can go out on the course without even knowing it very cool.
0: Yeah, you don't see many people doing that. We talked to before about catching people in public doing the swing motion, but you don't it's see many people doing the putting motion at the grocery store. So, Yeah.
1: All right. We got to hang up. We got to go on our other our other line to, to bring in our guests today. And uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for this conversation. Me too. All right. And Rory, uh, come on the pod.
0: All right. We got a very special guest this week. Uh, you may know him as a, he's a PGA Tour veteran. Uh, he hosts the Wagyu and Filet podcast uh, with Johnson Wagner of Five Clubs Golf, which is awesome. You should check it out. But he's also the premier steak enthusiast, I think, in the world of golf. So please welcome to the program, Brendan DeYoung. Brendan, thanks. and uh, welcome. <laughs> thanks to the for having
2: game. me, guys. Thanks for that intro. Is
0: steak usually one of the first three things when people introduce you? You're a huge steak fanatic. Where does that come
2: from? Uh, growing up in Africa, you know, con, uh, chicken was considered a vegetable, so steak was kind of, that was the go-to for us. Um, and I, I love it. We, we got good meat in this country, so I've been lucky.
0: Awesome. We'll get into that. Um, you spoke about growing up in Africa. Wanted to get just uh, your background story. Tell everyone about, you're born in and in raised in, in Zimbabwe. Talk about just the Zimbabwe golf scene you getting into golf. I, I assume Nick Price probably had a lot yeah. to do with that but how did you find the game and and uh, and grow um, coming up in in a country maybe not known so much for golf?
2: Well I grew up in a big sporting family. my, uh, my older brother was was a good player himself. My dad was a very good rugby player um, and then took up golf sort of later in his later in his life um, I say later he was probably about 35 40 when he took it up. Um, and I was kind of the the young one, the young whippersnapper that would tag along, go uh, go out with them, and you know play as many holes as they would let me at first. And then, kind of as I got better and better, tagging along sort of turned into playing games with them. And then from there, kind of turned into where my dad would let me into their regular four and the in uh, they had a what was called the wednesday club so i would play their wednesday club with them and then that entailed maybe having a couple beers with the older guys after the after the round which was always great um something i'd certainly look forward to um probably wasn't as of age where i should have been doing that but the laws were a little <laughs> bit more relaxed in zimbabwe than they are here but uh yeah as i say grew up in a huge sporting family and um I actually had to make the choice between playing cricket and golf and went down the path of playing golf.
0: Are there any anything that you can lean from one to the other that help uh, swing, I guess? But I have some friends that played uh, close to professional baseball, and their coaches would never let them play golf yeah. in the offseason because they thought it messed up their swing. Is there any synergy there?
2: Uh, no, cricket was a little bit different because when you hit a cricket ball, it's a lot lower to the ground than a baseball is. So it was uh, obviously yeah. more more of a similarity there to the golf swing. I don't think it really messed it up. I know if I if I'd been playing a lot of cricket and then went and played golf, it maybe took a little bit of time to get into it. Um, I don't think one helped the other or hurt the other, but uh, yeah, there was a, was definitely, as I say, a big choice that I had to make between the two. What
1: was your What was your relationship with uh, with golf and instruction? Were you self taught? Did you get a teacher in there early on what was your what's your backstory
2: so there was a, a guy uh, actually unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago named, named uh, Roger Bayless and uh, Roger Bayless grew up teaching Nick Price and then grew up teaching every successful junior golfer through there and you know Roger was one of those guys that you could you could ask him for as much or as little information as you wanted you know he didn't teach everybody the same way Um, just just a great guy honestly would put him kind of obviously doesn't have the 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 history of a butch harman but that kind of guy you know would would talk to you more about life and golf with life than just the golf swing itself so a super guy to be able to bend his ear and you know just pick his brain either uh, he'd been around a long time and had seen a lot of good things
1: one topic that i've become so so i have later in life i've played golf my whole life but later in life like after having kids after having like a little bit of success business-wise i fell into a little bit more time have more time to play. I started going to this guy. We've had him on the podcast. He basically was like, yeah, man, you've been playing golf for 20 years the wrong way. <laughs> and nice and it's a, it's amazing, and, and I got down to like a low, low single digit handicap. But like my grip was wrong, my swing direction was wrong, over the, uh, so many things. And I think since then, the last two years, I've just become obsessed with like, man, I love this game so much. I've peeled back all the layers of the, the the mechanical side of the swing, and I'm starting to see like, I know a lot of people talk about the the mental side of this game, but as a hobby, it's so fun. How much technical mechan- how much the mechanics matter. Where do you fall on that spectrum? Are you a tinkerer? Are you a feel player? You obviously had this great guy that was influential in your life early on, but where do you fall on that spectrum? And maybe even with the lens of like, what do you see from a lot of amateurs? I,
2: I fall very much into the feel side of it. I um, I hated the mechanical mechanical side of it. Um, def, definitely a feel player. And, you know, through... Through the times when I actually was playing well, I think it was because I knew my golf swing and I knew the feels I had. And, uh, you know, it, it certainly was not what I would call the, the everyday golf swing. It, I, had a, I had a unique move, no doubt about it. Um, it looked like I was slightly over the top. It really wasn't. It was just that I sucked the club so far on the inside going back. Um, But no, it was definitely I I played by my feels and I knew if something was off, then I needed to do this. And I think that that's key that you kind of you need to know your own golf swing. Everybody swings a club slightly differently in one way or another. Um, I think it's such a key to know your own golf swing. Then you can fix it yourself. Something goes a little bit wrong. Okay, I need to do this. Um, You know, obviously, with with the pros out there, a lot of these guys, they're they've got somebody there every single week that's watching every single shot they hit and they're hitting a lot of shots on camera so they can see that. But I would say the key for an amateur is definitely knowing your own golf swing.
1: Have you seen guys kind of, since since you come from that, that field play, player camp, is there anybody that, you obviously don't have to name a name, I'm just thinking like, did you come up around someone who got so obsessed with the mechanics and didn't go out and play the game, and you kind of saw them.
2: You kind of saw your 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 path split differently. Oh, very much so, very much so. Um, a really good friend of mine. Um, I, I will name his name. Uh, Bruce McDonald. <laughs> he uh was a wonderful guy. He's one of those guys that you walk down the range and you watch him hit golf balls and you think to yourself, "There's no way that this guy won't succeed as a pro." And then you know, he just he got obsessed. He got obsessed with swinging the club perfectly, and you know, just instead you know we we've heard it a thousand times started playing golf swing instead of playing golf and it's just it's the worst mistake mm. you can make
0: so coming through uh you came through q school in in 07 was it right and you're on tour uh can you talk just a little about like what what kind of a culture shock was that for you or or you know either going from finding a, a caddy or um, figuring out week to week where you are you' renting with uh friends on tour or are you staying in hotels what was kind of that transition like for you going from from
2: zimbabwe to the tour i, I did a little bit of both um there was certainly times when we would get houses a lot of times when uh, we would uh, we would rent or sorry excuse me stay in a hotel um a little bit of both i felt like if we were in hotels for three or four weeks in a row you needed to break it up and maybe Maybe get a house. Um, as far as a caddy goes, I, you know, they kind of they seek you out. They uh, they're looking for a job as well, starting out, and they're hoping to to catch the next big thing. Um, you know so you find find that guy that you're compatible with i uh, i would luckily enough found a couple guys that i was very compatible with and really had two two caddies throughout my entire career guys that both worked for me for a long time um but it's hard you know you're spending so much time together with a caddy more time than you are with your wife so you better find somebody that you're really comfortable with and have a lot in common and a lot to talk about on the golf course I was watching this
1: interview with um, Spieth and Greller the other day, and they were talking about one of the biggest mistakes they made early on in their relationship was uh, when Jordan first got on tour, they would go stay together. And they're like, that was the biggest mistake. Like, let's have our own space. And I was like, yeah, I can see how that
2: would be miserable. You know, I I had a guy that worked for me for about seven years, Phil Lowe. And I think we had dinner together maybe once in seven years. (laughs) Um, It was, you know, we needed our time. I needed to be away from him. He needed to be away from me. And it was just, it was kind of understood. We would finish the round. And if I'd go hit balls, I'd go hit balls. And then after that, he'd go his separate way and I'd go my separate way. And it was necessary. You know, it's. You're spending, as I say, so much time together, and it's easy to fall into a bad rut when you're actually staying together as well.
0: I was going to say you you've got to find someone who likes steak, but maybe that's not the case. You need to, you know, get a vegetarian caddy so you can spend a little more time. <laughs> no apart big chicken
2: they. guy. You need a chicken guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, uh, we uh, there's plenty of players that like steak. We would go. Uh, we'd go find some good restaurants in the area. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, it's necessary to get away from your caddy, no doubt about it this this game is
1: such a this game is such a mental I feel this as an amateur player this is not even I have a real job what I do on the golf course doesn't matter at all at all but it's so easy to place my um self-worth into how I'm playing <laughs> right you did this for a living very successfully did you have any mental tricks or mental you know, Games to play with yourself. How do you how do you separate those things, especially when this is your career, when this
2: is your full time job? It's um it's not easy, but um I I was pretty good at it. I was probably I would I mean without blowing my own horn here, I definitely better than most. That leaving golf at the golf course, and by the time I got home to see wife and kids, whatever, I was kind of away from it. Um, now of course there were times when things weren't going great, and it's very very hard to you know separate the two. Um, but I would, I would say for the most part, I was pretty good at leaving it there. And I think probably because I had a lot of other interests off the golf course, I think guys, and especially this younger generation now, they, they seem to have no other interests. It's just golf all the way. And I think when you, when you're like that, it's very, very difficult to remove yourself. You kind of, as you say, you're basing yourself worth on your golf game and it's, it's not a healthy place to be. You know, I, uh, I would love to come home. I was I was always a huge sports fan, so I would find what other sport was going on. I loved fishing. I'd do a bunch of that. I loved to cook. Um, I'd do a bunch of that. So it was there was always kind of an outlet for me, which I think was so, a big.
0: So uh, going back to just the mental spa- state of of golf, and um, I I would assume that was never more tested than maybe the 2013 Presidents Cup, yeah. just being in kind of hostile soil, um, playing Tiger Woods. What do you remember about that weekend? Or that week really um and just how different it was from any other type of golf experience you had.
2: yeah uh, you know I've, I've talked about this a lot it was it was certainly the highlight of my career i am um, I, I mentioned it earlier to you guys i grew up playing a bunch of cricket and this was now this was my chance to get back involved in the team sport of stuff um so the the team aspect was awesome. We we kind of got robbed of that team room atmosphere just because the weather was so bad. It was it was a shocking weather week. So we were at the golf course sort of until dark, until nine o'clock every night, and then we were back out there five o'clock. So. It kind of took away from a little bit of the of the team aspect in the room, but I, you know, I, I remember just even the small things. The bus ride. We had a forty five minute bus ride back into downtown Columbus from Dublin, and you know, sitting on the bus, and the, the first day we're going back, and Hal Cabrera yells out, "Dos cervezas, please!" So you know, somebody brings him two beers, and and that was that was so cool just to see that. There was that laid-back atmosphere. We're playing one of the biggest tournaments that all of us have played, but guys are willing to have a couple beers. Um, and it was uh, it was awesome getting to know these guys a little bit better. You know, obviously, I knew everybody, but just on the surface, you're spending sort of an entire week with them. You're getting to know these guys really, really well, and you make friendships that sort of sort of last a lifetime. I speak to a lot of those guys all the time now, and it's all from that week.
0: And when do you put something like that on your radar? Uh, I know the first Presidents Cup was early 90s like 94. Is that something you were aware of growing up and and when and at what point in your career did you think that was a possibility? That yeah, that no, was? very
2: aware of it. Um because you know, we we followed what Nick Price did very closely and Nick was a big part of those all those early uh, Presidents Cups. I remember the one vividly that they actually won in 98 at Melbourne, the only time the Internationals have won. I remember watching a lot of that one. Um I was 18 at the time. Um, And then as far as my radar, you know, I, I got fairly close to making the team in 2011. I was a part of all the meetings. I'm a part of some of the clothes fittings and that, but I always felt like I was slightly on the, on the outside there. I did, it would have been a huge shock to me to make that team. But then uh, 13, I, I had a nice year. I played very, very solid and I was kind of sort of right there or thereabouts around that sort of 10 11 12 13 spot on the international list and then played um, very well through the FedEx Cup playoffs so then I knew then from there there was a, a very good possibility that I might get a, a nice fun fight I
0: get I have a million questions about playing in that but first I gotta ask they fit you for the clothes before you make the
2: team yeah there's a there's a lot of a lot of fittings they, they want to make sure that everybody's very very prepared so you' you're getting fit for stuff kind of a month before. And then, if you, wow. if they don't need to make it for you, then they just throw that away.
0: Interesting. So, um, you got paired up with Ernie Els that week. Yeah. How did that come about, that pairing? Was that something going
2: into the week you knew about or just kind of worked and you kept rolling with it? Um, I was actually, this came about after the fact. I was very flattered that, um, I had played with Ernie the final round of the Deutsche Bank, which was our second round of the playoffs. And, uh, after that round, Ernie had gone to Nick Price and said, "I found my partner. I'm definitely playing with him all week." So, as I say, I was extremely flattered by uh, by that from Ernie. Um, it was a great fit as well. He's a awesome guy. We uh, we got on very very well on the golf course. Um, and it was just a, you know it just added to what was what was a great week from the start it's
0: funny you so you you guys kind of fell in love in boston like dave and i we worked together in boston <laughs> as well so that's right everything uh,
2: good happens in boston i
0: love that a, or, or norton a, which is like i don't know 45 minutes outside of boston yeah. but yeah it takes
1: a big well, man to
2: say greater that.
0: boston
1: yeah, that's right <laughs>
2: So
0: you got you got paired up against Tiger, I think, on Saturday of that week. Just talk about being in the arena with Tiger Woods in a competitive, hostile environment. like that. You know,
2: it was that uh, it was actually pretty funny because Nick let us know we were sitting there and we had finished our third round match and he came over to Ernie and he said, you and Brennan are playing uh, Tiger and Coacher," And Ernie was mad he was mad he was he was struggling with the putter at the time to the point not quite where he had the yips but he was definitely struggling with the putter and he he essentially said to Nick how can you throw me into this cauldron you know i'm struggling with the putter so i'm thinking i'm standing there on the outside i'm like this is great this this big man's pissed off cuz we got to go play tiger woods and i'm his partner um anyway we uh we played really really good in the alternate shot there we had them um i think we were three up with four holes to go then tiger hits one of his miraculous shots he hits a five wood in there to about two feet on 15 and they make eagle there now we're two up with three to go i bury one right in the middle of the lake on 16 so now one up with two to go um and then thankfully tiger missed a very makeable putt on 17 and then it came down to ernie's putter he uh he made about a four or five footer on the last hole for us to beat them one up and you know what they, he's got so much past uh past trauma with Tiger, I guess, that uh, you could see how much it meant to him actually making that putt and getting one over on Tiger. Would you say that's the most nervous you've been on a golf course? Yeah, without a day. doubt. Uh, I mean, the I remember the first tee shot on Thursday, so starting out the week... I had a three wood in my hands, and Ernie kind of looked at me, and he shook his head, and he said, "No, no, no, no. You want to look? go want to look down at something that's got a much bigger head than that." And sure enough, I uh, I grabbed the driver, and thank goodness because I was shaking. It's it's a unique position, right? Because even I mean,
0: a, a lot of pros have played with Tiger, but the the competitive part about that, you know, every, every, you're playing the whole field often, and rarely are people in the same group with tiger playing you know in a tournament down the stretch against him, it's really those rider cups and the president's cups where people are getting that one or on your, in your case two versus two uh were there things you picked up from that or what was his intensity like could you feel it that it was he was kind of turning it on or was it uh, i'm sure you've played with him in practice yeah. rounds or or rounds on tour before was it any different in that arena
2: honestly yeah there, there certainly was you could feel the intensity but he was he was great you know if you hit a good shot he was very very willing to tell you good shot um other there were a couple other guys that played on that american team that weren't exactly the same way but uh yeah you know he he gave credit where credit was due and uh you know after the match he, he was he couldn't have been more gentlemanly he said you know you guys played great you deserve to win that match well done um so I, I, I gained, I, I always had a ton of respect for Tiger, but I gained even more uh, after that uh, that match that we played.
0: So now that you've kind of moved on from your playing career, do you miss that kind of competition still? How do you simulate it? Are you still playing? Are you still keeping the game in shape?
2: Um, you know, I, I don't think you can complete, c- completely simulate it. Um there was a stretch there when I was done playing when the last thing I wanted to do was play golf. I, I was I was burnt <laughs> out. I was absolutely hating it. Um I could go six yeah. months without touching a club and I'd be just fine. I'm now thankfully kind of coming around a little bit. I'm starting to enjoy playing again. I'm enjoying going on guys' trips to play to play some cool places. Um but yeah, I was I was so burnt out that I, I removed myself from the game for a while. Um about 20, 2017, 2018 I just I wanted nothing to do with golf. I um I, I wish I hadn't got to that place, but you know, it, it happens. And uh as I say, thankfully I'm back to where I'm starting to enjoy playing again.
1: And what 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 was like take us to the end of that place, like the the end of your run on tour? Like what 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 was what was happening in that 2017, 2018 era that led you to be like, I don't want to see these clubs forever.
2: So I, um, I dealt with a couple little injuries. I tore some interco- intercostal muscles a couple times. Um, I remember the second time that I did it, I had been away from competition for five, six months. And the last thing I wanted to do was go and play an event. I was, I was so comfortable at home. I was, I was enjoying the, the everyday life of a, of a typical dad. And the last thing I wanted to do was go and play any kind of competitive event. So something something obviously sparked in my head there. I was like, you know what, that, that's not the way I should be feeling. I should be raring to go being six months removed from the game. And, you know, it just kind of, kind of went from there. You know, every time I did get into an event or went and played, I'd be through sort of six, seven, eight holes, and I'd be thinking, you know what? This is not where I want to be. This is not what I want to do. I'm missing a bunch of stuff at home. Um, and it just, I, it was, it wasn't a happy place. How old were at your all. kids at the time? Uh, at the time, my kids would have been probably twelve and ten. So just, just getting into competitive sports as well. Um, Yeah, it was it was a nice time to be home. It really was. And, uh, you know, looking back, I'm very thankful for it. But yeah, I I wish I hadn't got to that place where I hated the game as much as I did.
1: Was it because that was it because you were hurt and you weren't able to play at the level that you wanted? Or was it just like your your kind of career had just run its course? and You're like, man, I don't I've made it. I've made enough money. I don't have to worry. This is, but I'm not in the top ten in the world. Like you're kind of, I don't want to say no man's land, but you have. If I think of it as a business, right? You've like, you've made a bunch of money. You were very successful, but you see life has other things, and you're just going to put this away
2: for a little bit. Yeah, I I think it's a little bit of both, and I think you are. You are in no man's land. You know, you you don't, you don't want to put in the work that you know it takes to get back to where you were. Um, but you don't want to play the poor golf that you're playing. So it's it's kind of a, a vicious cycle there. Um, but you do, you find yourself kind of definitely in a little bit of no man's land. Um, and yeah, the, the injury certainly added to it. Um, I, I, I lost some speed. Um, you, you it takes you a while to to get the trust back as well um but it was yeah it was a, i mean i certainly wouldn't say a dark place cuz i was i was never never got to that but so a point where i was not enjoying
1: golf. Yeah, it seems to be i mean we don't we don't know you that well but, but it seems to be that does seem to be your overall kind of personality like hey man this is a game i got a family my life is good it, it just it doesn't fill me up it doesn't motivate me and it, and it is a grind even even playing in a Four day tournament with your with your buddies somewhere. I, I, Casey and I always talk about like, man, a very underrated thing is how much of a grind it would be to be on tour you know, you have no days off during the week, you're away from your family, you gotta do the pro-am dance, you gotta go practice, and you gotta do Thursday, Friday, you might not even make any money, then you do make the cut, you're grinding, just the mental burden of that is so underratedly exhausting. I can't imagine these guys who have had 10, 20, you know, 25 year careers out there, just the grind of that, and you know what? It does make sense why people would go take the money from an alternative tour, to live a little bit of a more comfortable, less stressful life.
2: Yeah, the the grind is hard. And I I tell you, the thing is like the little things, you know, if if you're playing well and somebody screws up your hotel reservation, you don't think twice about it. When you're hacking, you're struggling, you show up, all you want to do is get in your hotel room, go and chill for a little while. And like, oh, sorry, we don't have your reservation. That pisses you off. Your flight gets delayed a couple hours. You know what? I, I made a million last week. I'm not too worried about my flight being delayed. When you're struggling, that flight gets delayed and you're you're, you're furious. It's just, you know, and it just kind of adds up right. over time. Can you apply
0: that too to, as Dave mentioned, like the program stuff you get to deal with during the week? Like if you're not playing well, is
2: that a worse day for uh, that executive from wherever? Or- <laughs> I, I, it certainly can be. You know, I, I I was one of those guys, I actually enjoyed the programs. I, I, I enjoyed the getting out there and BSing with some guys where golf was secondary and I, I made some great relationships. Um, you know, I, I signed a deal with some guy cause I out drove him off my knees. Um, you know, I, I think guys kind of guys look at the proams wrong and and I think it's getting worse and worse. I remember talking to, um, Tim West is the guy on tour who runs all the, all the proams throughout the year. And Tim was saying that over the last two years, he's had over 200 complaints from, uh, guys playing in the programs with the pros and these guys are out there and they've either got their swing instructor with them or they're out on their phone the whole time you know we- Wednesday's about these guys we can't can't play the tournaments without the sponsors and I, th- I feel as though guys have kind of they missed that memo at uh, rookie orientation
1: all right hold on we got to we got to rewind that you you signed a deal with somebody because
2: you outdrove drove them on your knees tell me tell us that story please well th- th- this guy was was quite a character so we made the turn off the nine holes and this guy disappeared he left for 30 minutes i have no idea where he went but i know that he (laughs) went and took a couple shots of something because he shows 100 he shows up on the 10th tee and we've been there waiting as i say 30 minutes we've let two groups play through and uh anyway so we go about i think we're on number 14 at seaside playing the mcgladry and um this guy says to me i guess this was his party trick he's like you ever hit a ball off your knees? And I I'd I hit a bunch of balls off my knees, but I said to him, No, I never have. I've never tried it. Whatever. Anyway, so this guy puts one down and he uh he hits it, hits it off his knees and he hits it pretty good. He, he said, he looks at me, he's like, I tell you what, I will sign a deal with you on this T-box right now if you outdrive me off your knees. I was like, done go for it i managed to hit it sort of 20 30 yards past him off my knees sure enough signed a signed a one-year deal with the guy he honored it um got my agent's details and and we were done but uh, this, this guy Hold was, on
1: like a like a sponsor like a sponsorship deal like they paid you a sponsorship for a year yeah.
2: because corporate <laughs> deal on my on left my left chest but uh yeah this this guy was a character <laughs> he was uh I mean I could tell you some stories about him that I probably shouldn't but uh yeah you are uh, you know these these uh these proms can be a lot of fun if you get get paired with the right guys yeah. it can it can make Well for do it you mentioned day.
1: something you said guys look at the proams the wrong way now and I I hadn't thought about it until you mentioned it but I guess if you if you treat yourself like uh, i am my uh, you're, you are right the the company of one your business your llc is you is brendan right and so if you're out there okay maybe golf isn't my going to be my whole life what opportunities do i have either to increase my value now or potentially something off the course is that what you mean when you talk about guys not the guys seeing it as a as a burden fuck this i don't want to have to go through this whole process where hold on, there's an opportunity to surround yourself with a bunch of, the people that play in these programs are most often very successful business exactly right. people, yep. entrepreneurs.
2: Yes, 100%. You know, and we, we've given, t- Tuesday is your day. You go play a practice round, you go grind on your game on Tuesdays. Wednesday's about these guys. You're you're out there to make it the most enjoyable day you possibly can for the sponsors. And as I say, I feel like a lot of these younger guys have missed the memo there. And, and as I say, I, I signed a deal with it. I, I talked to a lot of guys that I played lambs with you know now that i'm done playing i'll go play corporate outings for these guys you know and it's, it's a, a great way to make a little bit of income all because you spent five hours with them and you actually made a good impression and you know d- did the right thing you know it, it doesn't take a lot to to be out there and go read a couple of putts for a guy or to cut it up yeah. with them, you know, guy, The amateurs love it when you give them shit if you do it in the right way, you know. And to-
1: totally, uh, I mean that that's just that's just like golf. That seems just like golf, right? Just same same way you play with your buddies, whether you're a pro or not. I would I would love that. Can you? I've actually, we you're the you're the first uh, tour pro that we've had on, and uh, you uh, us having this conversation reminded me of something we've talked about before. How does how does sponsorships? work like do you have free reign unlimited inventory on your shirt your bag your hat do you have a business partner how do you how do you think about that stuff how do you just is it free reign to maximize the the money that you want can you take us into that world a little bit i'm super interested in hearing.
2: yeah typically typically it's something that your agent will handle and he'll try and find a sponsor that's gonna that's gonna make sense for you you know it would uh sometimes it doesn't always work out like that you might have some guys that offer offer you a sponsorship and it it doesn't it's not something that you would really align yourself like, with but.
1: say maybe Maybe Patrick Cantlay and Dewalt Tools.
2: Yes, exactly.
1: <laughs> but, uh, he he outdrove the executive from Dewalt Tools no, on his no, knees no, at
2: a program. For uh, I'm guessing he can't play. No
1: one, no one says Dewalt Tools in my mind than like Patrick Cantlay. Yeah, I'm he guessing says Cantlay's separate- not hitting a lot of
2: shots off his knees in pro-ams <laughs> um He kind of does things a little bit differently, but just happens to be a hell of a golfer. And these guys sure. know that they're going to get a lot of TV time if you put your name on his hat. So. But, but a,
1: you have a, so, so you so you have an agent, but, but is it like, is it typically like a bundle? Like, Hey, we're going to, are the, the main thing is Brendan's bag and you know, we're going to do the bag and the hat, but also, and then we're going to pay him X, but there's also a bunch of other, other commitments that yeah. you have to do as part of that. They try to bundle it together. Exactly.
2: So an, an agent will pro will approach somebody and be like, it's going to cost X for a sleeve or it's going to cost X for a chest or X for a hat. And then you will probably Get most most companies you'll sign on for something and you'll give them three or four corporate days throughout the year where you go play with some of their biggest customers and you know, where you're responsible for hosting those guys and making sure that they all enjoy the day. Um but yeah, they, the agents host uh, the agents excuse me will negotiate the majority of those deals. Um every now and then you'll Did do you have a stuff? brand?
1: Did you have a club uh what what club company were you
2: with? I, I played Titleist through my whole career. Still today? No. No. What do you What do you play now? I am playing sub seventy irons, which are the, the nicest irons I've ever hit. Um, small custom direct to consumer group out of um, Sycamore, Illinois, and these these honestly these irons feel absolutely great. I wouldn't be surprised to see these guys become a pretty big player in the market if they want to. Um, and then I play a different driver every time I tee it up because I don't know where the ball's going. <laughs>
1: so are you going in the basement like in your old stash you
2: got like the 975d and all the old models oh, yeah. down there oh, yeah it's all come out i mean i've tried it all um some of them work some of them don't some of them i'm a little embarrassed to bring out but uh yeah anything that, that goes forward and somewhat straight might stay in the bag for a little how long. did these guys get on your radar the sub 70 guys. I actually did a, I did a yeah. podcast for them. Um, as we wrapped it up, he said to me, would you mind if I sent you a set of irons? And I I, I was very frank with him. I said, I've never heard of you guys, but sure, go ahead. Um, sent me a set of irons. And honestly, the, probably, the, as I say, the best feeling irons I'd hit. And I made sure that I uh, I got it out there to a lot of pros and they they were very willing to send a lot of sets to guys. And I've got quite a few friends that are starting to play them in this area. Cool.
0: Our, our parting gift will be a t-shirt, not a,
2: um, a set of clubs. So <laughs> Hey, that looks to, awesome. i will try to disappoint you.
0: Talking about just sponsorship too and stuff on your shirt got me thinking. Something else Dave and I have talked a lot about recently fascinates us. Um, and it reminded me just looking at you right now. How do the uh, there'll be some guy on tour from us austria or some or somewhere and they have this incredible journey to the tour and then it's like college some big 10 school or like you know or i don't know alabama or how do how do all these schools recruit like how did you find your
2: way from zimbabwe to virginia tech so i was down in south florida playing some junior golf i played uh I played a bunch of ajga events down there the zimbabwe That's junior cool. golf association used to do a great job of sending their top two juniors at the time to play in the Leadbetter junior the durell junior and the orange bowl which are always kind of around christmas time over here um and that was sort of our opportunity to showcase our talents as it is in in front of which, uh, whichever coaches were out there watching um Virginia Tech for me was a, it made perfect sense. We obviously never, we didn't get to come on a visit, but there were three or four Zimbabwean guys that had played at Virginia Tech before I did so that was kind of the i could pick their brains um rely on word of mouth from those guys and they all had a wonderful time so it was it was a bit of a no-brainer for me um i had some nice offers at some other places but certainly don't regret it at all
0: so what's the connection between zimbabwe and virginia tech because i know scott vincent who plays on live now is yep. he was after you but he went to virginia Tech too so is there a pipeline there yes or very a coach much or? so
2: very much so you know i think uh, the if you look at a lot of these college programs, um, I know Augusta State always had a pipeline into the UK. They would always have a bunch of guys out of the UK playing there. Well, and then Patrick Reed probably scared everybody else off. But, uh, you know, you, you look at it like that, and there's um, typically a pipeline into a certain a certain junior program. And for, for Virginia Tech, it was Zimbabwe, um, as I say. A couple guys played prior to me. Um, and then probably six or seven after me actually played, came, came from Zimbabwe. Interesting. Uh, so I wanted
0: to take get your take on on the current state of pro golf too. Uh, Dave and I have talked about this, uh, I think just last week when the SSG announcement got um, made and just everything changing with the tour, we were saying to each other, what what would guys that played on tour 10, 15 years ago think about this? So. We have you on what do you think about all the changes
2: to the tour obviously live forced their hand a lot but yeah
0: it seems like an entirely different tour than when you were playing yeah it
2: is i mean i think you you can't look back at it without having a little bit of envy i mean these guys are playing for so much money now and obviously it took a competitive or a competition coming in from somewhere else to for the tour to find all this money for them to to start playing for um listen i i, I want to start out by saying i i feel no I'm not mad at anybody that went over to live. I fully understand it. It made perfect sense. And I and I'll say it, if somebody had come to me and offered me a bundle of cash, I would have gone in an absolute heartbeat. I uh, you know, I was never under the illusion that I'm gonna be one of those guys that's gonna be playing for 19 majors or anything. I, I would have jumped on that ship and gone in a heartbeat. Um and I, I'm not surprised at all to see Rory do a 180. He now fully understands that, like, listen, not everybody's in my boat financially. This is a great opportunity for guys to set themselves up for the rest of their lives and generations to come. So, don't uh, don't feel any ill will towards any of those guys at all. Um, you know, I I hate I hate where the game's at as far as that it's fractured. I really do. I I want nothing more than to seeing these see these guys playing against each other week in week out or as often as possible. Um, you know, I have I've watched very little of live golf, but I actually did turn it on the the other week. Um, when Sunday got rained out at Pebble, and I, the, the product's gonna would take a little bit of getting used to. It's very, very different. I didn't hate it, um, but I really do miss watching some of these guys play golf. You know, I I, I love watching John Rom play. I love watching Sergio play. Sergio is a good friend of mine. We played a bunch of golf together growing up and junior golf. Um, I miss that kind of stuff. So I I need. I, I would love to know what, what the next move is. I understand why you would align yourself with SSG. That, that money's great. It gives them a little bit of bargaining power. Um, but it doesn't move us any closer to reuniting everybody playing together. That, that That's the problem I had with that move.
1: Do you think that can happen? Like, do, I guess as a fan on the sidelines, I'm just kind of hoping. I'm trying to be like, you know what? I'm not even trying to read. Like, whatever happens, happens. Hopefully, and at some point, all these guys will be back playing together. Do you think we will get there? Is that where this ultimately leads? Yes,
2: I do. I, I think. Listen, I, I I'd be guessing as much as the next guy as far as a time frame, but I, I think we are going to end back up there, and I, I'm hoping that it's sooner than later. I really am. I, I, I feel like perhaps all it would take is a couple moves from some really big names going over there now and where the tour would be forced to have to do something now um i i
1: I mean it's it's gotten pretty damn close like right It, it it used to kind of be like oh like i could see why people went but like who's really over there if you kind of run those two teams right next to each other now obviously i think that you know you still have the the lay Xander, Spieth, JT. You, so we still have all those guys on tour, but it's a lot closer than it was. And I think, to your point, if one or two of those types of guys goes, then it's like really just a coin. Yeah, board. you know, obviously. Well, that, that,
0: that Live event you were talking about, that, that Sunday, was one of the, I tuned in, I haven't watched a lot of Live either, but that was one of the first times, and that leaderboard, Um, kind of fell the right way for the day the tour was rained out it was like all of the marquee names that had had defected to over there and it really opened everyone's eyes i think to like wow this is really a fractured game it's no longer just just the it's the sum of the whole that's gone over there it's
2: it was yeah very much so you know and and I couldn't I couldn't help but feeling like as I watched that leaderboard scrolling up and down there, whatever, there there were guys that obviously I knew they had gone over there, but hadn't even thought about how much I actually really did miss them playing. You know, right. I think Joaquin Neiman ended up winning that that week. That guy was that guy is a world beater. He's gonna be a, yeah. a young player that's that's gonna, I mean, win so much. So yeah, I, I hope that we're we're getting closer. It, it does feel like it, um, uh, maybe a little bit delusional there, but it does feel like we're moving in the right direction.
0: And speaking of the tour, you've played in many waste management uh, opens, had a T6, I think, in, in 2013. Uh, you've tweeted out a, a great video from, uh, you tweeted out yesterday of a, a great shot. You almost had a one one year. Um, so you've seen that kind of grow over the years. It's obviously grown a lot since the Tiger Hole in one, but just in like the 10 years since you've, uh, started playing over there. How did how did you see it change? And what are your thoughts? Because they're getting a lot of uh, shit today. Just for <laughs> it was All a the shit players. show. It, yeah. <laughs> it is. It's turning into an
2: absolute shit show. Like, listen, and and we we've <laughs> talked about this a lot. Uh, I was talking about it with Johnson Wagner. Um, you know, it's. I have no problem with the chaos. I, I really don't. I just don't like when there's somebody that's influencing the, the a shot. I don't like the somebody yelling in someone's backswing where they're intentionally trying to be a distraction. Like, I I don't care about the rest of it. I really don't. Um As long as nobody's getting hurt and it's not getting dangerous, whatever Um, you understand as a pro that you're going to deal with it for the week. You might hear some personal abuse. That's fine. It really doesn't matter. Um, You know, you you hope that you're you're strong enough mentally to let it go. I know there was a a video out there of Zach Johnson. I guess somebody was giving him shit about his Ryder Cup captaincy, and he he didn't take that very well. In front of the guy, got in his face. I mean, but you kind of go into that week and you. You, you accept it. you understand that it's going to happen. Um, but yes, I, I don't like when it gets to the point where guys are directly trying to influence the outcome of a shot. And Did you and, ever have
1: anything like that in, in your career where something felt uh, personal on, on the course or, or you, you know, got into it with somebody heckling you.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Um, I mean, I remember at the president's cup, I, I hit one over there to the right on number nine and, uh, i'm over there over my ball and some guy looks at me and he's like deong why don't you go the fuck back to where you came from and, I, and i'm thinking to myself does he want me to go back to charlotte does he want me to go back to zimbabwe <laughs> i I, it, I didn't realize didn't really register yeah. that much i'm just thank goodness my caddy wasn't over there at the time because my caddy was a, a confrontational fellow and he he might have knocked this dude out
0: well i was before dave asked you that i was going to ask similarly waste management it's its own kind of beast but whether it stops on tour you knew like uh, the crowd's going to be a little bit more rowdy outside of President Cups up. Just normal tour stuff. Like, was the East Coast trip like playing New York, Boston? Was that yeah. a little bit more intense than a Florida swing?
2: Oh, very much so. I mean, New, New York, you you hear some bad stuff. Actually, like it's I I, I hate to think what that Ryder Cup's going to be like. It's it, that's going to be tough. That's going to be tough to manage. I think they, there's a very good chance of that might get a little bit out of hand. Um, but yeah, typically in the Northeast, you'd, you'd hear some stuff. Well, I mean, you, you guys know all about that, obviously. Anytime that a fan yeah. base prides themselves on being dicks, you know that you're going to hear some stuff. Of course. Stuff. And, and well, I mean,
1: the, the nature of this, the nature of going to a golf event is we're going to walk around, drink a bunch of beers, you walk and just explore and guess what happens yes
0: especially a region that doesn't get it that much right like in
2: in boston we we come around once once a year yeah no it's uh those guys are going to be amped up and then obviously you know there was a little bit of ill feeling towards the end of this rider cup in italy as well so that's i think that's all going to be it's all going to be part of it and yeah I, i hope they do a good job i hope it doesn't get too far out of hand, you know. We're we're growing up in a time here with a little bit of one-upmanship, and you know what's next. Like you, you just don't want it to get too. too totally we, we so-
1: make we make uh, we make picks on our podcast every week, but um that we have the guardrail of we have to pick guys outside of the top one hundred and fifty just to make it more interesting. And Casey, I have no idea why. I think because Charlie was sponsored by Waste Management, he picked Charlie Hoffman last week, and so he's texting me all weekend. Are you watching? sorry you watching? This? I'm like, man, uh, Casey didn't watch half of the Super Bowl because he's watching this damn playoff between Charlie, okay, Charlie and Charlie Nick, Taylor. 150 to one.
2: I tell you what, that's a Quarter that's a hell run. of a pick. Charlie hasn't been relevant for a long time. So
1: it's a- no, it was it was a complete like just clown clown show of a pick because he thinks he thought it's funny that he's sponsored by Waste Management. You know he always had the green hat and it worked out this is a silly that sounds like a silly that game. sounds like deep research that's not a clown pick. let's yeah there's research. something off there you're right you're right and there's dave something that
0: we got was like top five though almost all weekend so yeah, that's pretty we good don't know what
1: we're talking about yeah, yeah
0: i'm sure we're not going to be as good this week <laughs> um speaking of this week the tour rolls into riviera um dave and i were talking about this before the show can you explain why players revere that place so much? Every, every time they go, you hear the players talk about how much they
2: love Riviera. What is it about the course that, that players love? It's, it's old school. There, um there are absolutely no tricks. Um, It's a great variety of holes. You know, you've got long holes, you've got short holes, you've got unique holes. You've got a, a par three with a bunker right in the middle of the green. Um, It's, it's, as I say, it's right in front of you. There's not a single penalty area on the golf course. There's that baranca that runs through the eighth, the middle of the eighth there that sort of feeds through the golf course, but not an actual penalty area on the golf course. Um, and it, it's just, it's a, as I say, a wonderful variety of holes. It's got a great flow to it. And it's, you know, I, I hope it's hard and fast. I don't think it's going to be, it's been so wet on that West coast. Um, Cause when Rivera plays hard and fast, it's, it's such so much fun to watch it was always one of my favorites
0: speaking of it, just the soft conditions remind me how often when you were playing was there lift clean in place i feel like it's almost every week now i of course this tour uh, this swing is in a you know west coast and there's been some bad weather are but you
1: gonna spin this are you gonna spin this into cl- into a climate change podcast <laughs> right now Case, how deep do you want to go no i just i think
0: that i think the tour is getting a little easier on drops and lift clean in place in my opinion so there was
2: a rule there was a rules official that was out on tour forever slugger white and slugger would do absolutely everything in his power to avoid playing lift clean in place i remember actually i was a little sub story we're playing the world cup in china and um they it was just wet everything it was past pelham the it didn't drain real well and they'd had a ton of rain and uh, Slugger was driving around in the practice rounds, just kind of watching shots and trying to get guys' opinions. And he came up to me. I-, I was always friendly with Slugger. He said, you mind if I watch you hit your second shot into 18? And there was just a big clump of mud on my ball. And as I hit this thing, it just shot out dead right. And uh, Slugger, he he drove away and he's like, yeah, everything looks fine to me. So he was just so anti playing live clean in place. And anyway, since then, Slugger has retired from the tour. So I'm guessing that whoever is now the chief official is probably a little bit more willing to let these guys put their hands on it.
1: Well, it's a um, weird time, too. There's yeah. a delicate balance. It's like, how hard are you gonna push these guys on these rules, because if they're not happy, they're gonna go take money and go play somewhere else where life is a little bit easier.
2: Hey, I remember hearing Sergio bitching about that right before he went over, you know, <laughs> I don't have to deal with this anymore. Um, but <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a, it is, it's 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 a fine line. Like, you want you want these guys to, you want them to play in the fairest conditions. I hate when they, yeah. you know, the ball's picking up mud in the middle of the fairway. You shouldn't get penalized for driving it dead straight. All
1: right, so what's a what's a rule? We, what's a rule in golf that you would love to see just not exist anymore? This is something that comes up on Twitter a lot. As an example, one of them is like, one of mine would be, your balls in a divot in the middle of the fairway you should get to move it and and go play do you have a do you have something like that
2: yeah i would think that's one but it's it's such a gray area then because you know who's to say how old the divot is you know you could look at it in this divot that's somewhat grown over and still claim hey i'm in a divot um it does does leave a little bit of a gray area i love the the rule change the only one that really made sense to me over the last few years was that you're allowed to tap down imperfections on the green the spike marks and stuff that made sense to me um this this dropping from your knees i really don't understand that one that that did nothing for me it still looks stupid um
1: (laughs) i think i'm worse at it i feel like (laughs) i try to get more delicate with it yeah i i I really
2: don't understand that one that that didn't make any sense um you know i think a shot clock would help a a a shot clock i i that that's the one i i think and I believe that maybe they're moving closer to this that you can single out a player in a group now. It always used to be that you would have to go and put the whole group on the clock. Now you can single out a player in a group and say, you know what, we've we've identified that you're you're the slow guy in this group and you're holding everybody up. Um I, I do like that.
1: Case so let's 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 send him out of here with a couple of the just the the quick hitter quick hitter questions. All right. Yeah. Um, all right, we're going to do
0: some quick ones. And then we just want to hear a little bit about the podcast. But okay. uh, just few word answers here. We'll go,
2: try to flow through some. So greatest shot you ever hit. Um, I hit an eight iron to about four feet, knowing that I needed to make birdie on my last hole at the Greenbrier, and then I missed the putt. All right, still counts though. <laughs> uh, greatest shot you ever witnessed in person. Hit. Back at that World Cup, actually, my partner was Bruce McDonald at the time playing the alternate shot. I drove him in a fairway bunker. He hit a rescue out of a fairway bunker to an island green to about three feet from the hole, greatest shot I'd ever seen. I was, I was walking down the fairway expecting him to lay it up, and next thing I see his ball go over my head and about three wow. feet for eagle. Right, I got tell some, something about. I got, it.
1: Oh, good, ahead. good. Ahead, I got, I got two. Um, are you a three iron guy or a seven wood hybrid guy? I'm a three iron
2: guy. I, I like, I like. You love three that guy. three I'm old iron. School. Yeah. Okay, I like that.
1: And then um, shot shape wise, what was your? I've this is a two parter. What was your shot shape? I, I was or is. I was a fade. I hit everything left to right.
2: I liked seeing the ball fall that and
1: way. And as general advice, do you believe in teaching? Do you believe in having people stick to one shot shape? Like if you're a fader, we got to get you just to play that fade.
2: Um, yes, I do. I, I like the, I like, that you should be able to eliminate one side of the golf course. Obviously, you need to be able to move it the other way. Um, but I feel like under pressure, you want to have that fallback
1: shot. All right, one more case, then I'll flip it back to you. What's your
2: what's your preferred go-to, uh, what's your preferred wedge setup? I'm always just three wedges, 48, 54, 60. I have messed around with four wedges. Uh, for a little while, I went 48, 52, 56, 60. Um, I, I just didn't like it. I felt like I was always kind of, I felt like I was in between. And I probably shouldn't have been.
1: So is that, is
2: that 48
1: your gap wedge, or you have a pitching wedge that's like a 44, no. Pitch, Pitching wedge,
2: 48, gap, okay. gap wedge at 54, and then carry a 60-degree lob wedge. Okay. Right, t- tell us something about playing against the National we
0: wouldn't know, and we'll, and we'll never know.
2: Um, the one that everybody <laughs> talks about is how hilly it is. The one for me was, even though you're in the Masters, you're walking on eggshells they 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 wanted to kind of feel that way um i'll tell you a very quick story i was i was on the range like
1: as like as a player as a play you're in this tournament and you're
2: walking on yep, eggshells very much so so i was i was hitting balls on the range and um i was talking to a guy that i was working with he was uh, sort of a stats guy and we we were talking and my college came my college co- coach came over there and watched me hit balls for five minutes and honestly, within five minutes, one of the green jackets came up to me and said, you know, Mr. Diong, you know what our policy is here? One person at a time on the range with you. Please make sure that you take <laughs> care of this right away. So I had to ask my college coach to to move along and just one guy at a time. So they, they make sure that you know that you're still fortunate to be playing. Well, yeah, there It's an
0: event. invitational, right? right? I mean, you qualify to yep. get in there, but it's an, they're inviting you to come. It's that's not exactly right. Exactly. That's funny. Um, was there a, cor- uh, a course on tour that fit your eye better than others? Where just one that you'd only play once a year, be like I can't wait to get back there. It, it just fits my game.
2: Yeah, I, uh, I had a couple. I um, Quail Hollow was one for me, and thank goodness that was at home. I always always looked forward to playing Quail Hollow. Um, that was a golf course that fit my eye, and then uh, Hilton Head. I uh, I loved Harbor Town. Harbor Town felt like a golf course that I could always perform well. What uh, about speaking... the flip
1: side of that? One, a course that you're like, man, I got to play this event, but I always play bad. I hate this place. I don't play well here.
2: Bay Hill. I I hated Bay Hill. I I never played well there. It was. Uh, I used to like moving the ball, as I said, left to right, and you had to aim over top of so many of those hazards when you played. Uh, when you played Bay Hill, that was one that sucked. I I never played well there. It was just it was a hard golf course. i was as gonna
0: well. say with Quail Hollow.
2: You once shot an 80 and a 62 on consecutive days there, correct? I did. Yeah. I shot um I shot 80, 62, and then third round, I'm playing with Mickelson and oh Mickelson just in a twosome. And we're going down number three. And he oh, number three. And he looks at me and he's like, What'd you shoot yesterday? I was like, I shot sixty-two. And he he didn't say good round, didn't say anything. He was nine under through eleven. And I could tell all he wanted to do was was beat sixty two. Thank goodness he missed a bunch of short putts coming in, but uh, it was. I mean, t- typical. What you
1: shoot yesterday? Yeah. It's
0: unbelievable. <laughs> that must have been an education, though, just spending eighteen holes with Phil. Uh, yeah, yeah. So you played with him the presence cut too, but I did. what do you take away from his, his game playing in, in in person?
2: Dave's a huge fan. A huge fan of Phils. Um,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I in, in the same way that I love Bryson, like just the two of those. I, I, I forget. Maybe it was in Shipnook's book, but it was like.
2: Ask Phil what time it is and he'll tell you how to build a watch. I mean that's that's spot on. He uh he listen, I liked Phil. I thought it was educational. (laughs) I mean, you you'd kinda ask him a question and then you just sit back and listen and you you take it for what it is. Um
1: Well well, Brendan, the leading edge you can't have the leading edge dig because the leading edge dig you're like, Come on, man, I just was asking what clothes
2: yeah i mean uh, there, there's a lot of bullshit that you've got to uh that you've got to weave through <laughs> with phil but uh I, I always thought it was pretty fun and i mean the guy was so talented i he, he i watched him hit like a seven iron from 220 yards and just hook this thing and get it running back down the green whatever but just extremely extremely talented but yeah he's a he's he's different all
0: right yeah one more quick one then we'll wrap up real quick um exercising with or without headphones would you ever exercise without headphones this is a long uh standing debate on no. the show okay that's the right answer All right, so okay, so you, you proved that the, the t-shirt i showed you earlier <laughs> dave dave runs without headphones and it's become a lightning rod
2: topic. yeah nobody nobody <laughs> does that dave you got to change that
1: come on man well what well, i'm gonna well, you, you you don't want to see how i cook a steak then i'm gonna need some tips man this is it not better. be rare i'm not <laughs> it better be rare, yeah. yeah. Hey, let's wrap up and talk about your your new life. You're we're, we're we're fellow podcasters. You're in the media game. What what's been um? How did that come together, and what's been your experience so far? You, I will say that between you and Johnson, the the the, the double-edged sword of both of your facial hairs together on one podcast is <laughs> is electric.
2: Yeah, we've got a great logo coming out pretty soon. Um, <laughs> no, it, you know, it, we we sat around so many times drinking beer, just bullshitting with each other. And, and finally it it came to a point where Gary Williams at five clubs approached Johnson and, and said, "Hey, would you have any interest getting involved with us being a contributor?" And Johnson, thank goodness, said to Gary, "Yeah, I'd love to. Could we bring Brendan along as well?" And Gary said, "Yeah, absolutely." So Gary Williams and the Five Clubs guys, Steve Hall, James McCoy, they uh, they brought us aboard and kind of gave us a nice little start there. It's been it's been fun. It's been uh, it's been very educational. Johnson and I didn't know the first thing about social media. Probably still don't. We're we're figuring it out as we go along. You know, I, I'm, I'm the world's biggest hip. I used to give my kids shit and my wife shit for being on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or whatever it is, and now I find myself having to do that all the time. But uh,
1: yeah, you're out you're out there posting, bunk, you know, bunker tips. You got these, <laughs> you got these, uh, these beef tips now. Like you know, they can't you can't criticize them anymore. Yeah,
2: no, seriously. I, if I do, I, I get it thrown back in my face pretty quickly. So it's it's been fun. And then you know, obviously, my nickname on tour was filet for the longest time. Uh, because it was Brendan DeYoung filet mignon was what I was told, or because I'm a big piece of meat was was the other the other reason. And then he was uh, wags, which turned into wagyu. So wagyu filet show was uh, was born That's like great. that.
1: I think you. I don't know. I, I see some interesting sponsors in that in that realm uh, ahead. I could see you on social media with like a a slow cooker <laughs> Traeger Traeger. Reach out to Brendan and Johnson if you haven't yet. I see a lot of good things in your future.
0: <laughs> and Dave and I used to do this thing where for every tour stop, we'd give a restaurant review for wherever the tour was going. Having not been there at all, just kind of pick one off Yelp. But maybe you can be our official uh, meat correspondent for every stop. So you have a Riviera uh, tip for anyone in the area?
2: Yeah, honestly, I, I avoided going out in that traffic in LA. It was it was one of those where we would rent a house every year and we would go to a grocery store yep. at the beginning of the week and we would hunker down. It, it sucked trying to leave the golf course and get anywhere in that traffic. Um, so yeah, Riviera is not a good one. I mean, I definitely got some reviews for when you guys come to Charlotte. So we'll, we'll talk All about right. it then. Yep, right. Right.
1: yep, then. That sounds good. Brendan, this has been a blast, man. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. I got a bunch of notes. Casey and I were messaging on the side. You were, uh, we had a feeling this would be a fun, fun to chat with you. I feel like we could, we could hang out, have a, have a fillet and a beer and and keep this thing going. Uh, We will support your show. We'll share it with all of our listeners and everything. And thanks for coming and hanging out with us on the long game pod.
2: You got it. Thanks very much, guys. That was a lot of fun. Thanks for sharing. Thank you. Thank you. You got it. Take care. Thanks.